Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. So without Kyle this week, you just have your other two hosts, as I said in the intro, myself and Mike where we're going to talk to you about sports, right? And speaking of sports, the last five games, Iowa State allowed a total of 16 second-half points. That's it. In the past five games, in the second half, we've only allowed 16 points. That's zero against Kansas State, seven against Texas, six against West Virginia, three against OU, and nothing against Oregon this past weekend in the Fiesta Bowl, which is our main point to talk about today. Yes, as of course, as a Cyclones podcast, we are going to talk about that fantastic Fiesta Bowl victory for the Cyclones, thirty-four to seventeen um, over Oregon. And that score might not look particularly lopsided, but this was a domination from Iowa State, plain and simple. Um, the biggest story of the game was ball control for Iowa State. Um, Iowa State ended up possessing the ball for 42 minutes and 48 seconds of that game. For reference, um, there's only 60 minutes in a football game. So basically, Iowa State possessed them for almost three quarters of the game. Like, that was the thing. Iowa State was 11 for 19 on third down, two for three on fourth down. Um, They forced four Oregon turnovers. Um... Iowa State also recovered a really weird um, pooch kick type thing. Like, obviously, Iowa State didn't want to give up any more kick return, long kick returns like they did against Oklahoma. So they tried a couple of short pop up kicks, and Oregon just terribly misplayed that one. And Iowa State managed to fall on it. Like, so I, I hate those kicks. I hate those little cheater pop ups. And I was, I was complaining about that one in particular. I was like, seriously? Did we just do it again? Oh my God, we got the ball back. Like, I was so pumped. Like, also, I still hate them. Yeah, but when you can't cover kick returns, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, especially because Oregon was obviously not ready for them. So That's fair. That's fair. Granted, that first one with the backspin that was on it, right? How it bounced backwards. That was phenomenal. The guy goes for an over the shoulder catch, misses it, has it bounce back over his head, and Iowa State recovers it. That's just phenomenal. That's just phenomenal kick. Um, yeah, and that was really a, a momentum turner, too, to get the ball back right there. Um, the only issue with those turnovers is that uh, they weren't really converted into touchdowns. Iowa State's points off turnovers was um, not the best, um, not what I would have hoped. Off of the Oklahoma turnovers, let me see if I can find that stat quick. Oh, sorry, off the Oregon turnovers – Iowa State turned the ball over on downs at the one-yard line, um, then punted um, the end of the game. And where was Oregon's last turnover? And a touchdown off the one, um, the missed missed kick, the quote-unquote onsides kick. So not a ton of points off uh, off the turnovers there, but. Either way, it worked out fairly well for the Cyclones. And we did have a field goal off the muffed punt for Oregon as well. So 10 points on five turnovers. 
if you count the uh, was it sorry four turnovers. So you'd like to see more of those converted into points, but it was not too bad for Iowa State. Other than that, Brees Hall was fantastic. He had 34 rushes for 136 yards with two touchdowns. Think about 34 rushes. That is a, that speaks to the the time of possession that we had. If you just hand the ball off to your number one back 34 times, um, that's pretty good. Um, Brock Purdy was efficient and did not um, make mistakes. He uh, was 20, 20 for 29 for 156 yards. He had one passing touchdown um, and one rushing touchdown in that game. Charlie Cole had 53 yards. Um, the defensive adjustments um, were fantastic, especially at halftime. Oregon was running a uh, two-quarterback system, sort of. Um, they had two different quarterbacks that they used at different times. Um, but the halftime adjustments, there were no second-half points given up, as Wyatt mentioned in his fun fact for the week. No second-half points to a really good Oregon offense that put up a lot of points against USC the week before and had scored on their first um, two possessions, had scored touchdowns. So really good adjustments and recovery from the Iowa State defense to turn what would have been a win into a domination. Um, only other nitpicks for the game, or at least for me, was the offensive line false starting. Um, Oregon, um, just like you saw Washington State do in the Alamo Bowl two years ago against Iowa State, Oregon's defensive line was stunting a lot, meaning they were shifting laterally side to side a lot right before the snap. And there were Iowa State false started, I think, three times in four plays while trying to ice the game with the final drive. Granted, we managed to get first downs after all of them, but that's a lot of false starts, um, especially when there's not much crowd noise to speak of. Um, that's my biggest nitpick from the offensive line. Otherwise, that was a phenomenal game. Um, biggest win in program history for the best team in program history. This is definitely ended up being the best team in program history. Um, and we definitely made a statement to the doubters, right? Everyone saying Coastal Carolina should be playing in this game, not Iowa State. Or Indiana should be playing in this game, not Iowa State. Well, Indiana went and lost to a three and four old Miss team. They definitely looked like they belonged. And, you know, everyone talking about uh, Coastal Carolina, how they were undefeated. They went and lost to mid-major Liberty. Okay. It's not like they went and got beat by Alabama in their bowl game. They lost to Liberty, okay? Stop telling me they belonged there any more than Iowa State did. Iowa State came in there and absolutely dominated Oregon. Um, because of those other results, Iowa State will probably – there will be one more AP poll after the national championship game. Iowa State will probably move up into the top 10 in that poll. I would presume um, they were 12th. Um, in this most recent one, I presume they'll move up the two spots thing to have the only top 10 finish in um, school history. So that will be fun. Top 10 people in school history. Yeah. So now with the off season for Iowa State football, um, the thing to look at is who's staying and who's going. So um, basically I made a list um, after the game of players who were either seniors because um, remember, everyone gets another year of eligibility. So even seniors can return or people who um, might be good enough to go pro. So the people on those lists, and I'll just rattle off the ones we've heard decisions from and first, and then I'll 
list the remaining ones later. So after the game, right after the game, we heard from Brock Purdy, Chase Allen, and Mike Rowe saying they would all be returning for next year. So those three big pieces for the Cyclones um, returning. Um, after the game, we also heard that, um, or I guess the day after, uh, Jaquan Bailey said he will go pro. So Jaquan Bailey will not take his extra senior. He'll go test the NFL draft waters. Um, starting offensive lineman and senior Sean Foster will return for the 2021 season. So that means we are going to return 10 of 11 offensive starters, at least. The only remaining question on offense on the starter is uh, Charlie Kohler. Um, he's a junior, but he would definitely be an NFL draft pick if he left. So he said he's going to take some time to think and decide whether he will come back. But Iowa State will be returning at least 10 offensive starters. Other notable offensive players with decisions to make are uh, Dylan Sainer and Kanena Wangu. Both, I believe, both are seniors, so both will have to decide whether they want to leave or come back. On the defense, there's a lot more um, seniors with question marks. Um, Jake Hummel, Greg Eisworth, Lawrence White, and uh, Azuike are all seniors who have not announced their decisions as to whether they will come, uh, they will take an extra year that the NCAA has given them or if they will leave. So keep an eye out for those decisions going forward. But for now, just enjoy that victory, Cyclone fans. Enjoy that victory and know that for the most part, especially on offense, this team is just going to run it back next year. There's no reason to think this offense shouldn't be as good, if not better, next year than it was this year. And depending on what some of those seniors decide on defense, same thing with the defense. So, yeah, we'll turn 11 offensive starters and let's see, um, one, two, and at least six of 11 defensive starters as well are going to be. I'm also taking uh, Latrell Bankston off that list. He tr- um, he entered the transfer portal before the bowl game, so he obviously won't be with but at least six defensive starters and um, 11 or and 10 offensive starters returning for the Cyclones. So look forward to next year. This will probably be a top 10 team um, entering the preseason next year, which will be amazing. And hopefully this, this next season fans will be allowed to pack Jack Trice um, for the entire year. So that should be fun. Enjoy that. Enjoy the off season Cyclone fans and get ready for next year. It should be a fun year. Um, and really, you should just start getting ready for next year of Cyclone basketball, too, because this year is not going anywhere. Um, the team has been somewhat successful. Well, I mean, they haven't embarrassed, let's put it this way, they haven't embarrassed themselves. Um, for any of you who actually watched the game instead of just anti- watched the basketball game on Saturday instead of just anticipating the football game, you saw Iowa State... Uh, hang with Baylor, um, which was good. I mean, they didn't embarrass themselves against a really, really good Baylor team. So that's good for the Cyclones. But, um, you know, they didn't get the job done. And that's been the story. They just have not won games this. Um, the first instance of the uh, NCAA net rankings, which remember is the ranking system that the committee uses when it's determining who to put in the NCAA tournament. Um, in the net rankings, Iowa State was um, ranked number, I should have had this up before, I apologize. Iowa State was ranked number 209. 200, yes, you heard that right, 209th 
in the nation out of a total of 300 and um, technically it's just technically it's 340 teams, but some of those teams at the bottom have just canceled their seasons because of COVID at this point. So yeah, 209th out of 340 teams. Um, that is the second worst of any power co- of any major conference team. Only Washington out of the Pac-12 is worse is ranked worse in the net rankings than Iowa State. This yes, even Kansas State, which lost to a D2 team um, earlier in the year, is ranked higher than Iowa State. Granted, only slightly. K State's 203 versus 209, but still the second worst Power Five program that or a major conference program that there is right now belongs in our, belongs to the Iowa State. And it doesn't get any easier this week um, with the Cyclones scheduled this week being a game on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Texas and then um, over the weekend on Saturday with number 18 Texas Tech coming to Hilton. So it just doesn't get any easier for the Cyclones. It's, uh, yeah, it's just not going to just – just start getting ready for next season, next football season, if you're an Iowa State fan. That, that's what you got looking forward to this year. So many NFL teams are uh, also looking forward to next year now as um, week 17 officially came to an end this week. So we know all of the playoff teams and thus all of the teams that will be heading home. Across the NFC, the Packers locked up that number one seed with a win over the Bears. The Saints locked up the number two seed with a win over the Carolina Panthers. Um, The three seed will be the Seattle Seahawks. Four seed, the Washington football team. Five seed, Bucks. Six seed, Rams. And the seven seed, Bears, still get in um, despite a loss to the Packers because Arizona lost to the Rams, which um, because Kyler Murray got hurt early in that game. So with the Arizona loss, the Bears still clinched um, the playoff spot. There was some controversy at the end of the NFC East because um, at the end of the Washington-Philadelphia game on Sunday Night Football in the second half, um, Philly essentially surrendered. Um, They pulled Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't really know why, and their backup was awful. Um, it wasn't Carson Wentz. They, Carson Wentz wasn't even active, so they played, was it Nate Sudfeld? Is that right, Wyatt, who they played um, in the second half of that game? I think it's Nate Sudfeld. And he was awful. So basically they waved the right flag and gave the division to Washington. Giants fans are upset about it, but frankly, I really don't feel bad for them. If you wanted to make the playoffs, win more than six games. Like, you, I'm not going to listen to you whining when you didn't make the playoffs when you only won six games, okay? So I don't have much uh, sympathy for the Giants. Um, So the first round NFC playoff matchups will be um, the Packers with the bye, the Saints and Bears um, playing, sorry, Bears at Saints, Rams at Seahawks, and Bucks at the Washington football team. Over in the NFC, um, the Titans, Ravens, Browns, and Colts all clinched playoff spots. Miami was the team on the outside looking in of that bunch um, at 10 and 6. Um, they got absolutely obliterated by the Bills. Um, so they finished 10 and 6 and missed out on the playoffs. And they're probably pretty upset 
that the uh, eight win bears and the uh, set and the seven win Washington football team are in the playoffs and they are out at 10 and six, but thus is the way it goes. The AFC playoff matchups will be um, Colts at bills, um, Browns at Steelers and Ravens at Titans. Um, so those are your NFL matchups to look forward to. Um, three of them will be on Saturday, three on Sunday. So you can spend 10 hours every day watching playoff football this weekend. So if you're a football junkie like me, you, uh, you will enjoy that. I know I will. Um, with the playoffs starting, as is tradition here on the 8311 cast, we will give our playoff predictions so what I want from, I would say from both of you, but as you know, it, uh, it's only me and Wyatt here. So what I want from you, Wyatt, and I will give mine as well, is I want your AFC championship matchup, your NFC championship matchup, then your Super Bowl matchup, and Super Bowl win. Okay, I'm going to be going in completely unprepared because I forgot we were doing this today, but that, that's okay. There's not a whole lot to choose from, right? So AFC, if we look here, uh, I just have a list of the teams that are eligible, right? Um, let's go with what, what is our AFC matchup going to, uh, I would say the chiefs would play in that game, um, pretty easily, which is unfortunate because I didn't want to see the bills go in, but I do think the chiefs are going to win with that first round by, and we'll say the chiefs and Browns to keep it spicy. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Like I said, keeping it spicy. Um, realistically, right. They, Beating the Steelers is the biggest challenging thing. Um, if they could, they can make it past that game. I feel like they can beat one of either the Titans or the Ravens, and that's fine against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. And what we'll the Chiefs win the AFC? Okay, um, my AFC predictions is I am going to predict that you um, have Buccaneers versus Packers. Oh, wow, that's the NFC, Mike. That's the yeah. NFC. <laughs> All right. This is professional. I'm going to project something a little bit out there as well in the AFC. I'm going to project predict Ravens and Bills in the AFC. I would love to see the Bills in the AFC championship. Yes. I'm going to predict Ravens and Bills in the championship with the Bills winning it going to the Super I would like that. What do you got the NFC? Yes, the NFC. Um... Man, I think the Washington football team is gonna make it, make it up there just for the the yeah. comeback story, right? That that is a heck of a story. It, it is, it is. The Ron Rivera cancer and the Alex Smith broken yep. leg story, all of that. It's a phenomenal story. I would, I would like to see them uh, go to the game, but not win it. So, winning it, if we look on the other side of the bracket here, let's go with, let's say. <laughs> Uh, let's go. The bears. Yeah, the Bears. <laughs> uh, the Bears and the football team match up in the NFC with the Bears winning it. So we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have a Bears Chiefs Super Bowl. Okay. Um, in the AFC, uh, in the NFC, I already uh, spoiled my prediction because boy, I suck at conferences. Um, we're gonna go with Buccaneers Packers in the NFC with the Buccaneers going to the. I think that's a reasonable – that's much more reasonable than my prediction. Tom Brady is playing really, really well right now. There won't be fans in Lambeau um, for that championship game. 
I think it gives the Buccaneers a chance. And Tom Brady is not scared of playing in the cold weather of Lambeau since he used to play in the cold weather of Foxborough. So that's fair. So for the Super Bowl, I have a matchup between the Chiefs and the Bears. <laughs> and the, the Chiefs are going to win that uh, if that matchup comes to be, regardless of who plays in the NFC. I think the Chiefs can, can get a, another ring this year. What do you have? Um, boy, you know, I was thinking about going with the Bucks all the way, but there is the Mike Evans injury. Um, he injured his knee um, during the game this week. Um, he is day-to-day. Um, it looked pretty severe at the time, but there was no structural damage on the MRI. I don't know if they can hang um, with that Bills offense if they don't have Mike Evans. But I, since it sounds like he might play, I am going to go with the Bucks. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Bills. The Bucks over the Bills. See, that, that would be sad. I, I want to see the Bills win. See, I have Uh-oh. nothing against the Bills. The only reason I don't want the Bills to win the Super Bowl is because they're about the only team that's been as bad in the Super Bowl as the Vikings have been. So <laughs> I don't want to see them win one just because that would make me even sadder as a Vikings fan that the Bills <laughs> never win the Super Bowl. So. Completely off topic. There's a documentary on YouTube. It's not. It's not really a documentary. It's like a 20 minute video about the Metrodome collapse. And I watched it the other day, and I thought of you. The, the Metrodome roof collapse. Yep. I, I definitely remember the Metrodome roof collapse. <laughs> Good times. Yep. That was now, the last. What was that? Two, that was that 2010. That was 2010. Yeah, it's yep. 20, 21 years ago now. Yep. Probably more like 20 years. I guess happened in this November or December, didn't yep. it? You, um, you want to try math again? 2010 was how many years ago, Wyatt? I said 21. Ten, oh, my Lord. 10 or 11 years ago, depending. Oh, boy. 10 years ago. Premier Midwestern Bay Sports Podcast right here, folks. Yeah. You, you could say that the Metrodome roof collapse um, indirectly ended Brett Favre's career, fun fact. Did it, though? Because I feel like it helped him. It, like, gave him a chance. No. Because it, it pushed the game back another day. Right, but Brett Favre, Oh, but then they okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. Because then Minnesota had to play some games at at TCF Bank Stadium, which at the time was not a heated field because you know the college season ends in November. So a late December football game on a frozen field, Brett Favre ended up getting yeah. uh, concussed as he got sacked to the uh, the frozen uh, turf at uh, TCF Bank Stadium because it wasn't heated at the time. They put in heating coils. Um, when the Vikings played there for a couple of years, well, the new stadium was getting. So you can say that, uh, you know, if he takes that sack in the nice heated Metrodome, he probably doesn't get concussed. And he still probably retires at the end of the year. But, you know, at least he doesn't end concussed. Yeah. So That's not something I, I thought of. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, now that we are completely off topic, we'll um, uh, back in. We'll keep you updated on the first round of the playoffs on next week's episode of the 8311 cast. Um, But we want to talk about everyone's favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. And we will go, of course, nowhere else but the NFC East, um, who, of course, ended um, the game between the Giants and Cowboys in ridiculous fashion. So with less than a minute left, Giants running back Wayne Goleman breaks free, picks up a first down, and essentially seals the game for the Giants. All he has to do is slide down, and the game is essentially over because there's 50 seconds left, and the Cowboys just have two timeouts. 
So the game's over at that point, right? You can you can run off 50 seconds with the opponent having two timeouts and you're all good. Um, not yet. So what does Wayne Gullman do instead of slide? Just fumbles without being touched. Just loses the football. He fumbles. Um, and basically what happens is he ends up sitting on the football and then we have the referee and the down judge giving conflicting signals as to whether it's a recovery and a giant's ball or um, ending the game, or if Dallas recovers and gets one more chance to score the game-winning touchdown. Um, you guys just need to go look up this play if you've seen it. I can't really describe it. Basically, he's sitting on the ball and sort of has his arms wrapped around it, but not really. Um, you need to look it up if you haven't seen it. I can't really describe it that. But anyway, the rules in question um, here are going to be rule three. Uh, where'd my rule book go? There it is. We're going to have rule three, um, section two, article four. Rule three, section two, article five. Rule three, section two, article seven. And rule 19, section one, article three are going to be the rules we're going to talk about. So the first of those is about the definition of a loose ball. So according to the NFL rulebook, a loose ball is a live ball that is not in a player's possession. For example, a ball that has been kicked, passed, or fumbled. Um, a loose ball is considered to be in the possession of the team whose player kicked, passed, or fumbled it. It is a loose ball until a player secures possession or until a ball becomes dead. A fumble is defined in Article 5. It is an act other than passing, successfully handling, or legally kicking the ball, which results in a loss of player possession. It is not a fumble if a player immediately regains control of the ball. Um, the use of the term fumble always means that the ball was in possession of a player when the act occurred. So if you watch this, it's obviously a fumble uh, and a loss of control of the ball by Wayne Galliman, according to. So it is a loose ball there according to those rules. Now, Article 7 talks about player possession. So to recover the fumble, you have to have player possession. Now, Article 7 is player, a ball is in a player's possession when he is inbounds and he has control of the ball with his hands or arms. To gain possession of a loose ball that has been caught, intercepted, or recovered, a player must A, have complete control of the ball with his hands or arms, and B, have both feet or any other part of his body completely on the ground inbounds. So he's obviously has a part of his body inbounds. This is not close to the sideline. So B is fulfilled in this case. Um, but I'm not sure if A is fulfilled. He is sitting on the ball. I'm not sure if you could argue that he has control of the ball with his hands at this point. Wyatt, what do you think about that? Does he have control of the ball with his hands at this point? I don't think he does, but the way that this played out, uh, I can't say it was done correctly, right? But this kind of goes back to when uh, we see this a lot in college, when uh, a fumble supposedly happens, but the play is blown dead because the an official on the field has ruled him down by contact, which uh, actually is what happened here. Brad Allen, the referee, did blow the play dead and gave the first down signal because he thought that the, the other guy, uh, what was his name, Wayne something or other, Wayne Gallman, yep. uh, the running back, was down by contact. So that was the initial ruling, which was then brought to review. And I don't even think they were looking to see if that was a fumble upon review because it was already blown dead with player possession, which was incorrect. 
but the way the rules are interpreted when that call was made, like, I, I don't know. This is hard. It's one of those things where I think they should have let the ball play out, right? The, the referee should have waited for the down judge to actually break down the pile and look at it. Because in those piles, before before ruling is made, sometimes the ball will get snatched by the other team. It just is the way the way it is, which I yeah. think is what happened here. Um, but we don't know because the referee already signaled that the runner was down by contact, which was incorrect and, in my opinion, a premature a premature call. Yeah. So they, they ruled it a fumble and a recovery before the pile happened. So for clarification. Right? I, I don't think they did. No, they definitely ruled it a fumble. Uh, you, don't, you don't hear a whistle blow if you watch that until well after. Right? Well, why else? If, if that was the case, then why would the, the referee already give the first down signal? Because the referee ruled that there was a clear Giants recovery before the um, before the um, pile happened, basically, is what uh, Right, and if you look, the umpire is the one who signals that too. If you look right away, the umpire is coming in, and he's got his hand up in the air. Right, his hand up in the air means down, plays over, offense remains possession. And then you see the umpire go talk to the referee, and then the referee walks back a little bit and signals first down, like Giants first down. And then later you see the down judge signal Cowboys ball. I. I... I'm not totally sure. At the very beginning, the referee walks over, looks at the pile, and immediately rules first down, which to me doesn't look like that he verified that the Cowboys had possession or the, the Giants had possession. I don't know, and he we'll never know. He did not verify that they had possession in the pile. I agree. He's ruling that they had possession before the pile, so whatever happened in the pile doesn't matter. Hmm. That's what the official ruled. I, I, still, I still think my gripe still stands that they – they determined this prematurely. I agree that I agree that that was a premature judgment, but I they didn't call him down before he fumbled. Okay. They called that, that he recovered the fumble before the pile. Is my understanding of what was ruled. Oh, that that's almost worse. But yeah, that, see that that was my interpretation is that the referee mistakenly ruled him down by contact and then never reversed that upon review, which it doesn't matter, right? And actually, if we look at where the sticks, where they moved the sticks to, that might have actually been the case. They might have, at the point of the fumble, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Was this the correct call? Maybe. Probably not. But what do you do? I can't really argue, you know, against it too much. There's there's not a whole lot to complain about other than that I think they made that decision uh, prematurely without discussion. Like, there was discussion at the end, but the referee had already given the first down, so... Uh, I, I don't really know what to think of this, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, in the end, the officials, right? That was the the last rule that we uh, wanted to reference here, right? Um, nineteen one three, right? Can you read that for us, Wyatt? About what yeah. the referee? Yeah, nineteen one three is just the referee's authority, which says that the referee's decision upon all matters um, are final. So whatever he says goes. Uh, even if there's a disagreement between officials, which I'm assuming happened here, I'm assuming the down judge, which was the guy who initially initially ruled the the ball in possession of the Cowboys, I'm assuming there was a disagreement there, and the referee just overruled him. Um, but that is a rule in the rule book, Rule 19, uh, Section One, Article Three, referees' authority. Yeah, so they did officially rule that a fumble at the 33, you were covered at the 38. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. You guys can watch that and let us know what you think based on the rules we shared. But that is Mike's Stupid Rules. 
this week about fumbles. There you go. Very good. Now we have like 50 different predictions to take off the board now that a lot of NFL and college football things have happened. So sit back, relax, and listen to Mike's soothing voice as he tells you how right or wrong your hosts are in their predictions from the past. Yep. Uh, Yeah, like what I said, we got a lot of predictions because the NFL regular season ended and the Iowa State season ended. So that's a lot of predictions coming off the board. So here we go. White predicted NFL refs would be mic'd up in a regular season game this year. That did not happen, correct, Wyatt? I don't think it did. I don't I think didn't see that. It. So for that, you know, nah. Nah. Um, you also predicted that Brock Purdy would start every game this season. That did happen. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Kyle predicted that Brock Purdy would break two Iowa State single-season records this year. Um, I believe he only broke one, and that was completion percentage. He broke his completion percentage record he set last year, but with the emergence of Brees Hall, he just didn't put up the passing numbers as far as completions, yards, attempts, touchdowns, etc. that he did in 2019. So he did not break a second single-season record. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. nah. Kyle predicted that Iowa State's strengths coach would not be placed on leave at some point this season, um, and he was not. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Josh predicted that Aaron Rodgers would play exactly 15 games this year. Um, he played all 16 because the Packers still needed that week 16 win to clinch the first round by. Uh, so for that, Josh gets a nah. nah. Um, I predicted that the Vikings would um, draft in the top five um, at the end of this season. Um, with the way they finished, they're ending up drafting 14th um, instead of in the top five. So for that, I get a nah. Nah. Um, Josh predicted that Kirk Cousins will, would be benched at some point this season. He was not. Um, so for that, Josh gets a nah. Nah. I predicted that Dalvin Cook would be the NFL's leading rusher, um, especially with Cook not playing in week 17 because of the um, unfortunate passing of his father. Um, Derrick Henry obliterated him in that category. So for that, I get a nah. Nah. Kyle predicted the Chiefs would lose one or less division games this year. Um, Because the Chiefs did not um, play anybody this year uh, in this game in week 17 because they already had the first round bye locked up, they ended up losing their game this week to the – Chargers, so that was their second division loss of the year. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Nah. Um, Kyle predicted Jaquan Bailey would get to 10 or more sacks this year. Will McDonald got to 10 or more sacks, but Jaquan Bailey was stuck somewhere around seven and a half. Um, so for that, Kyle gets a nah. Nah. Kyle predicted the NFL would have to add an 18th week because of COVID. They did not. So nah. Nah. Uh, now Josh gets to rattle off a string of correct predictions. Um, he predicted the Packers would be undefeated against the Bears, which they were. Ding, 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 ding. Ding. He predicted the Bears would finish second in the division, which they did. Ding, 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 ding. ding. And he also predicted the Packers would win out, which they did not lose from whenever he made that prediction onward. So he gets a ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Um, Kyle predicted that Iowa State would win the Fiesta Bowl by at least scores, which they did. 
Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. I predicted that Iowa State would win, which if they won by two scores, they, they did win. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, um, Why well, predicted there would be no purdy picks in the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State played turnover-free football, so that was correct. Ding, 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 ding. Kyle predicted that Brees Hall would have over 100 rushing yards and two total touchdowns in the ball game, which he did. So ding, 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 ding. Wyatt predicted that Iowa State would never kick a field goal in the Fiesta Bowl. We did attempt field goals. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. Um, and Josh predicted the Packers would get the number one seed, which they did. So ding, 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 ding. That is finally the end of our accountability session. So now we will put some predictions back up on the board. Wyatt, do you want to share with us what Kyle's prediction was for this week since he is not with us? I would love to. Kyle's prediction is that there will be two score gummies in the NFL playoffs. That seems highly unlikely. I mean, so there, was, what... there, there was one this week. The Bills-Dolphins game, 56-26, was a score gummy. But, I mean, most score gummies are either – Right, score gummies at this point, most of them are results in blowouts, right? And I just don't think you're going to see many of those in the playoffs. I mean, not necessarily. You have some of the lower scores that are possible, which I also don't see. You have, what, 13 games in the playoffs, right? Something something like that. One, oh, two, you three, have four, five, six. Three, six this week. Yeah. And then four, and then two, and then one. So six. Which is, no. yeah. Two, yeah. three, four, five, six times two, 12 plus one. Yeah. That's 13 games. Yeah. So 13 games, pick two. You're saying a score gummy is going to happen that that amount of times. Why? It's two. Yeah, I know, but for 13 games. I don't think you can get two score gummies out of 13 games. I don't either. Just looking at how many do we have in 2020? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We had 11 score gummies total in 2020. Yep, in 256. Which, which is more than usual already. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'll, I'll give this a home run. I agree. Four, approximately 4% of games this season ended in scoregamis. Yeah. Um, for two of the playoff games to end in scoregamis, that would be 15% of the playoff games. So that's just not going to happen. I, I don't think so. What do you have to put up on the board this week, Mike? I am uh, starting to think about baseball season already with the Vikings eliminated from the NFL playoffs and the Cyclone season over. So I'm going to predict that the Twins will trade for at least one major league player this offseason. I bet they will. I don't know who they'd have to trade, but I feel like they will, right? I think that's a thing that happens regularly. The Padres just traded for all the starting players. Oh, my Lord, I know. Darvish and Blake Snell, like, three days apart um, this in these last couple weeks. If you guys missed that, go take a look at those trades. The Padre, the two best teams in the National League are both in Southern California with the Padres and Dodgers. Everybody else is going to have a tough time uh, with uh, Southern California. Going back to your prediction, I mean, like I said, I feel like that's going to happen. Like, it, I feel like this is a single. I was hoping for a double for it. Just because... uh, I don't think so. Who are they going to trade for? I don't know. That's a, that's the, the onus is on you to convince me otherwise. I mean, so... Why I don't. I don't know the Twins roster off the top of my head. How cheap free agents are going to be this year? Why should you give up prospects to trade for somebody? Right? If I can go sign um, Didi Gregorius instead of trading for Trevor Story or Javi Baez, why would I? Because you might want to. 
but Didi Gugois is just as good and it would only cost me money. If I can trade, if I can sign um, hand, why would I trade for somebody else? Uh, I already decided on a single. If you would have convinced me first, otherwise you might've gotten a double, but my mind's already made up. I think it's going to happen. Okay. My, my, mine's pretty easy. Um, I'm going to say that Bama doesn't win the uh, championship game. I think the playoffs are rigged and that the playoff community doesn't want to be embarrassed if Ohio State loses. So they're not going to lose. They're going to win. Hold on. Let's, let's stop for a second before we actually talk about this prediction. Did you just call college <laughs> football rigged? <laughs> yes, I did. I have my tinfoil hat on right now. It's rigged. The, the committee doesn't want to be embarrassed because I mean, they put Ohio State. I, I will agree that the committee is not necessarily the most let, honest let me, body in the world. By but let me be clear. I don't actually think that it's rigged, right? It, in case the, uh, the tinfoil-hatted sarcasm didn't, didn't uh, come off to our viewers, I don't actually. Okay. However, I still don't think Alabama's going to win. Um, so according to ESPN FPI, Alabama has a 62% chance to win um, and is currently favored by seven and a half. Single, double? This is right on the single, double border, in my opinion. I mean, it's your opinion that counts. I personally think it should be a double, but obviously I'm biased. Yeah. I'm giving you a single because like, <laughs> a single. That's fair. Out of spite. <laughs> That's fair. Do we have anything for Josh Sweeks? He's still alive? You, he's still alive, and he is um, chipping in his um, prediction as well about the NFL playoffs. He is predicting a Packers versus Browns Super Bowl, and he would like us to write that down. I think that would be fantastic. I would prefer to see not the Packers, but having the Browns go all the way there would be pretty sweet. But it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> this is a home run. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's a... Presuming the events are independent, there's a 21% chance that this happened. No, less than that. There's less than that. Right. There's only a 2% chance that the Browns make the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. that's definitely a home run. <laughs> yes, I definitely did my math. Zero two. Um, there is a 0.8% chance that this happens. That's more like it. So, yes, that's a home run. According Most, to percentages from 538. I would still love it. I'm, I'm happy the Browns even made it to the playoffs this yeah. year. Good even for them. Predict, even just predicting the Browns would make the playoffs or would make the uh, Super Bowl would be a home run. I should have made that. I made that prediction last year, I think. So. You just predicted they'd make the playoffs last year, I think. If I yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I should have I should have made that prediction again this year because it would have been right for once. Yeah. You did, your first, no, sorry. This That was all the way uh, – you made it in the first two seasons. It was your first ever write-that-down prediction <laughs> that the Browns would make the playoffs. Two years later. And then in season two, you predicted the Browns would make the playoffs as well. But that was the one where they needed like 30. You predicted it the second year at the time. Remember last year where they needed like in the last two weeks where they needed 30 games to go play <laughs> in the last two weeks to do it. You predicted it. <laughs> it was still possible. Would, this year you backed it off and said they were, only said they would win 50% of their games. Yeah. So – you were less optimistic. Well, I feel like that's fair. And next year, I might be more optimistic. We'll see. But we have all four of our write-that-down predictions written up on the board on opposite ends of the scale, two singles and two home runs. And with that, we are at the end of the write-that-down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to episode 113 of the A311 cast. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make episode 114, which is next week. So make sure you come and check that out. Also check out our Instagram page at 8311 cast, where we post cool pics. Signing off for the 8311 cast, favorite hosts, Mike Wadwig and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.